five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very warm welcome to Colourful Radio's weekly news review show, Five in the Eye. We're going to discuss some of the stories that have caught our attention over the past week in what is episode 0330. Yep, that's our 330th show. Amazing. I'm Phil Woodford in London. And joining Phil via Zoom this week, it's me, Mike Lohut Jr. And I can reveal our top story, top story this week ties in with the COP26 summit that is being held in Glasgow. Phil got into an interesting discussion online about fast fashion. He wants to tell us more about it. Live in the eye. And our second story this week, that's the extraordinary vote on Wednesday to let the Tory MP Owen Patterson off the hook, despite an independent committee deciding that he'd breached the House of Commons rules in an egregious way. Andrea Ledsom's amendment also scrapped, potentially, the whole system for policing politicians. Out- outrageous, outrageous. Well, the story number three, we're going to be delving into some very deep moral questions. Rather than putting Phil to answer them, rather than putting, rather than getting Phil to answer them, which would be hopeless, we're going to ask a computer algorithm. What's story number four? It has to be the Scottish head teacher who was apparently photographed by a pupil flying off to Turkey when it's allegedly claimed she told colleagues she'd been pinged for COVID. Pinged for COVID, come on. And our final story to wrap up the five takes us into space. Astronauts travelling back from the International Space Station were lacking toilet facilities and making use of backup undergarments. It gives a whole new meaning to Splashdown. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we're going to kick off this week with a story that's related to COP26. And um, I, I got talking to quite a number of people on Twitter about an interview that happened last week on Channel 4. Uh, there was a young lady called Eunice Olamide, who's a Scottish model, and she's also a climate activist. And she was being interviewed on the Channel 4 News. Um, and, um, you know, probably to give a young person's perspective of what's going on at, uh, at COP. And she, you know, she's obviously a public figure. I also discovered afterwards she's got an MBE. She's um, uh, part, part of the Scottish government's campaign to cut, cut down on waste and so on. So a lot of good credentials for talking about the climate. There was one thing that she said, though, that really took me aback, Michael. And this was that one of her personal commitments to the environment was making sure she wore any item of clothing at least 30 times. And I was thinking, have I misheard this? So I I went on to Twitter because, you know, I'm I'm thinking, well, hold on a second. I've got clothes that I've worn for years. If if she saw the rags that I drag out when I go running or whatever, you know, I, I just keep on wearing clothes until they expire. So I went on to Twitter. I've got into a quite an interesting discussion with people about this. Some people were saying, no, no, you got it wrong. She means 30 times between washes. Um, but actually, no, it was 30 times in total. We checked the video and, um, and, and there's even an app that encourages this. Now, my question, Michael, is this. If today this is the best we can aspire to, that an item of clothing is going to be worn 30 times, because presumably in the world of fast fashion, many of them are only worn maybe 10 times or a dozen times. Is 30 times the best we can aspire to? And if so, what does it say about the wider battle to try to tackle climate change, if that's all we can really hope to do? When when you first told me this story, I didn't quite believe it. 30 times. 30 times. Who's counting? I'm tempted to say, some of my clothes are 30 years, 30 years old. Mm. You know, so it it was a shock to me. 
I guess, but part of the problem is today that, that people expect these things. They, they want it now, and then it's gone. It's instantaneous. Conspicuous consumption. I've got it, so I can consume it, and then we'll move on to the next one. And, and then they forget. They forget there's a cost involved in this. And this, and this is what this COP26 has really brought into focus. The, 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 the cost to the planet in, these, in, in this consumption, and it's not just clothes for this, it's, it's the whole capitalist thing. You, 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 you posted an article, um, Mombriot was talking about capitalism fundamentally is not green because yeah. of our consumption and often conspicuous consumption like this, you know, wearing something 30 times. So, Phil, I know, I know it's easy to say, you know, oh, this is wrong. But I think it's just part of the, where we are now in, in this capitalist world that we live in. We want to calm down and get back to kind of, can I say socialism? <laughs> you know, we, we, have, we, have, we have things in common. Maybe we should share our clothes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, my my uh, my older girl's really good. I mean, she buys most clothes secondhand, and she always kind of recycles or sells on her clothes. She's really, really conscious of of this as an issue, um, and I think there is a younger generation that takes it you know, takes it very seriously. But, you know, there's also a younger generation that's very committed to the world of fast fashion, as you say. The idea that deliveries from Boohoo and Misguided and, and ASOS and these kind of brands arrive whenever you want them instantly and you wear the item a few times and then you're on to the next one. And this consumerism is completely unsustainable, uh, oh, absolutely unsustainable. Totally. I've, I've got to throw in here when we have not just fast fashion, fast food, mm. you know, the avocado. The, 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 the four pound avocado, you know, the instant, you know, I want it now. That, that sense of gratuitous consumption, I've got to have it. And the, the avocado is one of those, is up there with red meat in terms of the, uh, the cost on the planet of producing these avocados. So I can see one of the outcomes may be less avocado consumption. And going back to clothes film, one of the things I was impressed by a, a young man, a, um, I met in Folkestone a couple of months ago. He was a forager. Do you know what foraging is? Foraging is when you yeah, foraging is when you go out in the in the woods <laughs> and you pick poison mushrooms and things. Is that is that right, Michael? Maybe <laughs> no, you have to be careful no, not to eat them. Exactly, not quite poison mushrooms, but you, but you you get things from the, from local food, locally grown food. Mm. And he introduced me to this idea of of food that you can eat and wear. So, of plants that are kind of not only that you can eat. But they, they, they can produce fib fibrous material so that they make clothes from. And that, 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 that seems to be the way to go. But having said well, that... It, does that mean if you were wearing the clothes, you got a bit hungry, <laughs> you, could, you, you, could, you could just, like, bite off the sleeve? No, I think you have to, to sort it in oil for a, a little while to get, to get the flavour. But you get the essence of this, Phil. The, 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 you know when the, the fibrous material from, 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 uh, from plants can be made into some material, can be made into... From the, that we can wear. That seemed to me really the way to go. And it's, a, it's almost a sense of self-satisfaction. If you're wearing something that you, you ate some of it and you're wearing some of it, there's a lot of comfort in that. So, you know, coming back to this 30 times, if it was something like that, then I could understand it. Mm. But but if it's something that, that, that if, if it's material, this polyester kind of stuff, that they kind of, we prepare this petrochemical based materials of, of fabrics, then you've got a question. 
30 times. Just before we leave this, this this topic and COP26, you know that in when I wrote the article online about the 30 wares and so on, I kind of extended it into this whole issue, as you rightly say, about you know how we need to change our lifestyles. And I was making the point that if we're serious about all of this, Michael, um, it would mean telling you that you can only take one flight in the next five years you know that you must give up meat you must give up fish that you probably wouldn't be able to go down to the local supermarket and have the choice of food that you have at the moment would and my question in the article was would anyone vote for that well to be told phil to be told i think nobody wouldn't but it's like this idea of nudging you know we've discussed nudging many times you know five yeah the the, the, the government indicates indicates that that's not so good. You know, there are other ways, there are alternatives. And, you know, there's this this red meat and cows and ammonia and the fact that, you know, it's not so good for the planet. So maybe if you you eat less meat, not not, not don't eat meat, but eat less of it. You know, so I think it's in in, in ways like that, the government kind kind of manipulates us, kind of shepherd us into thinking more about the planet. And trying to make a contribution rather than saying, no, don't eat meat. Meat is bad. Or equally, you've got to wear things for 30 times before you throw them away. Yeah, I don't think the future, the future for me doesn't lie in the government telling us what to do. It's kind of helping to understand the consequences of our action on our planet, on the planet, and for our children, and for our children's children, and as and for those yet unborn. So that 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 to me is the action on the government. Five in the eye. Moving on to story number two. It's an absolutely incredible story for, for five in the eye. You know what they used to say? A week is a long time in politics. Well, it seems 48 hours is an eternity. Because <laughs> uh, Oscar Peterson, I keep on calling Oscar Peterson. Owen Patterson. Sorry, Mr. Peterson. Patterson Mr. Patterson. Mr. Patterson. Sorry. But he, he went into debate the other day. He was, he was um, suspended. Debate, the debate turned it around and says, you're not suspended. We're going to form a committee now to help you go forward and perhaps bring you back. And the following day, they changed their mind. The government says, oh, sorry, we can't do that now. It's not inappropriate. We're conflating two issues here, two issues. You know, your, your, your conduct and how we should handle it going forward, to, we separate the two. Then a few hours later, he resigns. Extraordinary. I felt the, the huge thing about for me was throughout all, it was this is wrong. This man admitted he'd taken money. He'd taken, he'd taken a lot of money from these people. And lo and behold, some of those um, uh, companies made money. When I say made money, they got orders from the pandemic. And these were the orders that were given to mates. Now, I'm not saying it was a direct result. We don't know. I'm not saying that. But it's this lobbying, corporate lobbying, when money changes hand and orders happen. You know, you've got to think, hmm. So, Phil, what's your take on this? Will Labour right not to get involved in this and to throw brickbats and condemnation on them? Or should they have um, entered in? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Keir Starmer's been very clear that uh, he's used the word corruption on a couple of occasions this week to describe what's gone on. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think that's why I did the mark. Uh, the, the reality is that what this guy, Owen Paston, did is completely unacceptable. It was described as an egregious breach of the rules by uh, the committee, which included independent people that were looking into this. Um 
And he was due, as you said, for a suspension of 30 days, which is really pretty much a wrap over the knuckles. The Tory MPs saw it as an opportunity, didn't they, to try to um, change the rules uh, to make it more favourable for MPs and to give them greater rights of appeal and all of this kind of stuff. Now, the extraordinary thing was Boris Johnson put the weight of the government behind that only for the very next day after kind of expending all that political capital and you know causing anxiety amongst probably more the the, the more decent end of the Tory party he 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 then reversed I think the phrase is a reverse ferret if I'm if I'm right right. the the next day um at which point Owen Patterson realizes well no one's got his back anymore he's going to be back up in front of the MPs um without the three-line whip and uh, he chose to resign. And I mean, I I feel this has been a shameful episode. Um, and it, it says to me that um, there is serious reform needed, but not in the way that the Tory MPs think. For me, I, I think I'm with you, Phil. And this is where we're going to be almost in screaming agreement here. The government got it wrong. <laughs> in fact, let's be direct. Johnson got it wrong. Whereas... whereas he did the right thing in, in the end. In the end. A bit of old school politics. He resigned. How often do we get resignations? So in some things, I think he's done a good thing in terms of he's redeemed a little bit of the public's own public, and well, at least my faith in politics. Okay, you have to take people, some MPs, um, was it Don Cole in um on the sudden MPs, his, his, his uh, constituent office is being smeared and all the, all the noise on Twitter, the people are unhappy with this. I remember um, a politician, um, a very famous politician, whose name escapes me, actually, met, God, he can't be that famous, I've forgotten. And he talked about change comes from the street. All change in politics comes from the street. And this is what we're seeing it now. I wonder if it would have been the same if, 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 if the... The, those constituencies hadn't been going on on Twitter or hadn't been been absorbing the um, the, uh, the the officers and even did I say Phil? Did you see the headlines in the uh, the mail and the Telegraph? Let's be honest, Michael. The Tories would be a lot more worried about headlines on the front of the mail than they would be about commentary on Twitter. I mean, uh, twi- Twitter is universally um, opposed pretty much to, to to the government, and it doesn't seem to particularly affect them in the opinion polls. And it didn't stop Boris getting elected with an eighty seat majority, but they will worry about the coverage on the front page of the mail, uh, which which was kind of condemning them for sleaze, taking us right back to those days of the 1990s and John, John Major. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, that's the next big question, which is how will this swing the pendulum? It mm. seems to be an opportunity, doesn't it, for Labour at long last, maybe to claw their way ahead in the polls, which they found very, very well, difficult. Well, there's a challenge here, Phil. There's two things here. There's the government... And there's Johnson. And sometimes when they're together, Johnson's, you know, as they were during the Tory party conference, it's, it's love and happiness and peace and joy and the, everything's wonderful in the garden. But I fear the, the government, and, but particularly Johnson, have failed here. And, the, and he's been seen to have failed to the point where he's throwing his own mates under the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, in true Trump style, not loyal to nobody. I, I'm really himself. struck by the tr- the Trumpian nature of all this. The, the, you know, like I've always said, Trump's a guy who believes one thing on Tuesday and another thing on Wednesday, and he's forgotten what he believed on Tuesday, and it never happened. And this is the same kind of thing we're seeing here. It's kind of we move from. Um, 
this vote being forced through by the government to the next day, Rees Mogg saying, well, maybe we won't go ahead with it, to Patterson resigning. Probably by next week, it'll be what vote? You know, we don't remember a well, vote. It's, it's, be interesting. Be, it's crazy, isn't it? It's going to be interesting because they're going to have that debate on, on Monday, that emergency debate on, on how they should handle this. That's going to be really interesting. What, you know, for me, Johnson would redeem himself if he came contrite. But I don't. I sense it's not. It's not going to. Not in his nature, Michael. <laughs> no, no. Not, not in his. Nature. He may not even come. He may not even you know turn up. He leave it. To, leave it to others to to speak up. But so 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 we shall see. But again, for me, this this government and politics took a blow this week, and I'm, I'm still undecided. Have the government? Have the government in terms of government and politics survived, and people have restored their faith in them? Or is it um, a plague on all their houses? They're all corrupt. They're all taking money. You know, I, if you if you stress ask me myself, I, I, I think politics is surviving just, whereas the Tories are wounded because you know this is where the, your, your, the Labour can really have a go in terms of sleaze and look back to the nineties and cash for questions, and it's it's clear, it's clear. You know, because he admitted he'd done it, mm. and we, we can see the the company's got they've got contracts. Now, the issue is, did they get those contracts because of his lobbying or would he have got them anyway? And that, that, that is what the, the, this debate has got to resolve. How can we understand that connection between yeah, but I mean, the, MPs the, and The reality and is um, it doesn't really matter what came out of his efforts, whether, whether uh, the companies got what they wanted or they didn't. The very fact that he was using his position as an MP to advocate on their behalf is what was the breach of the rules. And uh, he should have gone straight away. Five in the eye. Story number three this week. I mean, we've been addressing some difficult moral questions in that last uh, story, Michael, about uh, politics and money and so on. But um, some 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 moral questions are quite hard to answer, aren't they? Like you know, for instance, um, you know whether I owe you an appropriate level of respect you being a senior citizen of the show, that kind of thing. That's a difficult moral judgment to make. But now there is a website we can go to. There's an algorithm and it's called Ask Delphi. And apparently it's supposed to be able to give us answers to some of our greatest moral dilemmas. And you brought this to our attention, Michael, this week. So uh, tell us more about this and what, what's well, the behind it. Do you know, I looked at this, Phil, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, so I've got to wear two hats. One, I think this is profound this ability to ask an algorithm a question and be part of tuning the answer to that algorithm, you know, because I love the way you, you don't ask the, ask the Delphi, you get the Delphi to ponder, to ponder your question. I, I like the idea, but then having said that, this is artificial intelligence and it can take you anywhere. And in fact, there can be nothing behind it. There could be a bloke, there could be, a bloke in a shed in Belgium somewhere just tapping out the answer to my question. I, I popped in a couple. Which is better, a hand or a foot? <laughs> what was the answer? It's discretionary. <laughs> you know, and the, that, that sounds like that. That sounds like this uh, Delphi AI is sitting on the fence, Michael. Uh, doesn't really want to. Doesn't really want to come down on it. So, okay, another profound question. Marry or live in sin? That's discretionary too. <laughs> exactly. We're sitting on the fence. There's a pattern developing here. You know, okay, then I got a bit heavy. Got a bit heavy. Death or a life of pain? 
and then Delphi responds to you, it's not okay. Oh, that my my question would be, what's not okay? <laughs> um, exactly. You, you gave you gave a choice. Answers. You gave a choice in your question, didn't you? Which ones? Which, which yeah. one is not okay? We're not sure. And, uh, these profound questions, and I guess you can never. Well, there's give... one for the Tory party. You asked here, isn't there, Michael? <laughs> can bribery ever be good? And Delphi very bravely says it's wrong. No, that, that was, I was, it didn't sit on the didn't sit on the sense didn't sit on the fence there it came up you know I wanted a bit more profound answer it's wrong I wanted some value judgments but no it's wrong you know so it's good so I mean, does, the, does the scientist within you Michael believe I mean obviously at the moment this is you know it's experimental it's a little bit of fun but does the scientist within you believe that at some point an artificial intelligence might actually be able to answer these questions more uh, profoundly or um, more sensibly than a human being? More profoundly more sensibly? What do you mean by that, Philip? It can look at patterns. That's what the artificial looks at patterns and then makes decisions based on those patterns and understanding. And it's based on the data that it has. It has at hand and it goes forward. So it only knows what it knows. So you have to think... What does it know? How, how old? Literally, how old is? How long has it been going to collect this database of, of information? So I'm, I'm, I, I, I would always use this as an option. This is what you know, worth considering. This opinion, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's the ultimate opinion. It's just one way of looking at it. You're not it, going it, to start it, making your daily and weekly decisions on the, the basis of asking the, Delphi, Michael. The, no? Exactly. It, 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 it's one up from tossing a coin. <laughs> it's one of them doesn't go because it gives it, it it's based on what it knows what it thinks it knows its worldview and its worldview depends on what on, on, in its experience do you think tory mps went on to this this week and they were asking should i let own paston off <laughs> <laughs> well look i, I love the one that said the one i was interested what one of the questions i posted po, 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 posited posited the question should i pay the ransom and what what, was, what do you think the answer was? Um, I, I I think Delphi was against that, wasn't it? Exactly. Now that's interesting. She shouldn't be. You know, it didn't. No, because it's never as easy as that. Should have been the ransom? Because you know, you've hit the towns. I've ransom being held by some um, um, hospitals where mm. they've been held to ransom, so the, the, the hospital can't function. You know, so people are about to die. So mm. what do you do? Do you pay the ransom, or do you let people die? You know, so it's 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 a useful management tool, Philip. I think, but in terms of jo- join us again next week for our philosophy class to continue <laughs> with Michael Owajuri. Somehow, Phil, I don't think you're taking Delphi seriously. Oh, I'm going to ask to that question. Should I take you seriously? Okay, let's ask. Let's pop that in now. Look, this is live. This is now. live. This is live, folks. We don't know what is going. Should I? Take you, I can't spell you, I can't spell you, you seriously. Okay. Now Delphi's about to oh, ponder no. this. Ponder, ponder. This is making great radio because you can <laughs> see the you can see the screen. Oh Delphi oh. says, shouldn't expect. Shouldn't. It doesn't make it even it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, I think I think Delphi's going to have to do a bit better than this, Michael. Maybe we will come back in a year's time. What do you reckon? And see if, if there's been any improvement. I think you're up there with with the monkey 
writing the works of Shakespeare, you take a million years and a million million monkeys and a million typewriters, and yet we'll get to Shakespeare. Yeah, now we've yet to work this one out, Phil. He's answered, but we yet to understand the answer. I guess this is they should just put forty-two, and then we're all sorted. Every question. Live in the eye. Story number four this week is about um, a head teacher in Scotland who was um, supposedly, and you know, we don't know the, the full ins and outs of this story, so I'm, 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 I'm not going to pass judgment or pass comment. But the the allegation is that she'd been uh, she'd been claiming to colleagues that she'd been pinged for COVID and needed to take time off work. Then the next thing we see is that she's at the airport heading off to Turkey. And one of her pupils managed to get a picture, put it up on Snapchat, and now this head teacher is um, having to take a, a period of leave, we understand, according to the, the, the Daily Record. Now, now, Michael, we obviously don't know the head teacher side of the story and all the rest of it, but it does. there's, there's some kind of poetic justice in the idea of, of you know, people getting caught out sometimes if they're pulling a fast one it doesn't always happen does it well i guess it, 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 if you're going to be you know you, you're, you're, you're going to be found out in the most simple circumstances and she, she was and the story makes sense to me phil you know it was a couple of days before the holidays she wanted to go a little bit early you know probably get a better price on the flight or whatever and uh she took stuck she, she saw her opportunity in the this covid scam and it, 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 good on her, good on her that, that she did it. Oh, Michael, now come on. I mean, you know, if you're in a position of responsibility, uh, the, the, you know, and you and you have to uphold the standards that other teachers are are working to your your staff, and you've got to face the parents who've maybe had to self isolate for real because of COVID. Surely you can't possibly be justifying this. But, but they spent they spent a year. Work on the most difficult circumstances in schools, in school, out of school, online learning. It's been difficult. So I can see how she needed a holiday. So, you know, I'm, I'm with her. Maybe you could question, maybe she's a bit, you know, a bit zealous, a bit presumptuous and taking it two days earlier. But the idea of having a holiday, you've got, you've, you've got to give it, you've got to cut her some slack. But it reminds slack. me, it, this story actually is, a, it reminds me of something else I saw online this week. Uh, I'm going to throw this one at you, Michael, because we haven't discussed this uh, offline. But I'm going to throw it throw it at you. Someone posted uh, an article online on one of these websites where you can ask questions. It wasn't Delphi, but you could ask you could ask people for their responses. Um, and they said they'd been holding down two full time jobs working from home without the one employer knowing that the other one was uh, also employing them so basically they're managing their time get and they were pulling in two massive salaries from these from these two jobs or so they or so they claimed and they were saying you know they were basically asking question is this ethically okay and i was thinking more at a practical level how the hell would you ever manage that and surely you're going to get rumbled aren't you and that's what made me think back to the teacher because isn't there a sense that eventually this stuff comes out in the wash Having two jobs, yeah, I'm sorry, two, nothing wrong in that. You two full time, two full time jobs, Michael. But, but no, you look at the, the, the labour, the labour uh, relationship. You got to deliver against a certain set of objectives. If they meet their objectives, then does it matter whether you have three, four, five jobs? As long as you meet your objectives, you, the commitment isn't to buy your time. Period. 
It's to buy the output of your time. Mm. And if the output is, is, is sufficient standard, they, 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 that the employee is happy with it, I'd see nothing wrong in that. You've opened up a whole other can. Well, I opened up the can of worms and then you've you've tipped the can of worms right onto the table now. It's probably a bit late in the show, but we, we maybe come back to this at some point. Oh, no, but for, I, I, was, I was just thinking, for oh, instance, she'd taken away. She'd taken herself off LinkedIn, Michael. Oh, that, um, because but, someone someone was saying, look, look, look well, what, what do you do on LinkedIn? Who do you say you work for? And she said she had to come off LinkedIn. So this is all a bit dodgy, isn't it? No, no, no. Okay, I'm going to differ. In terms of whenever these things happen on social media, because I think it started on Snapchat and it leaked everywhere else, it becomes so <laughs> pervasive that you've got to just kind of calm down now. And she wants to shut herself up. No, she's got my... You know, why not? You know, because you get people trolling and nonsense people trolling and making stupid, outrageous statements um, based on little information. So, no, what she did was wrong, yes, but in terms of uh, should she destroy the rest of her life? No, come on. That that riffs back to what we talk about social media, right? The people, you know, the people who are on there making these comments. Who are they? Where are they? You probably find these are blokes in the in Peru or Saudi Arabia making these these slight comments, not people, not the local people. So no, I'm I'm um, against that, Phil. Against that. Five in the eye. Our final story this week, story number five, is a very um, personal story. It's about going in space, <laughs> or, to, or to quote the headline. Leaky SpaceX toilet problem will force astronauts astronauts to use backup undergarments. This is where the toilet failed in space. Now, just that headline alone, that just makes you, oh, my goodness. What was the consequence? Apparently, it never, it was on, it never happened on Star Trek, did it? <laughs> did they have toilets on Star Trek? I don't know. Did they ever go? No one said, excuse me, I need to go. So I don't, you don't, you don't know. So, no, but maybe they've taken some drug to kind of, Stop them going, but in space, apparently, it got le- there was a leaking toilet, a leaking toilet, so they couldn't go, and they had to. How can I say go where they stood? <laughs> it's just go where they floated, and it just the whole idea of it. It went on to say there was no solid material floating around, and it did. You know, the, the, the story just kept on getting worse and worse. This idea of a toilet failing in space. So look, I'm going to put it up front. They've got to get this sorted out before I'm going up there. You know, because yes. if they want me up there, I want, I want proper toilets. Proper toilets. I do. Probably the Russians used to have a proper toilet with a flush and all that nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense. I do. It's nonsense when you haven't got it, I suppose. When you, when you need it, it's not nonsense. But this was a really telling story in the sense that we forget about the other side, the human side of space flight. You know, you've got to get this, you've got to get this sorted. And, SpaceX, I mean, because the the problem was not on the actual space station itself, but in this shuttle SpaceX, which is the Elon Musk thing, isn't it? That's kind of the privatized shuttle service that brings you backwards and forwards. Now, you know, obviously you weren't going to be on there for too long, but I think it's still about 13 hours. No, no, you wouldn't wouldn't want 13 hours. Yeah, you wouldn't. You you would you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to go that long without the toilet, would you? But but, you know, remember, I'm sure you did this with the kids. You know when you want to go when you, before you go out, you say, "Do you want to go to the toilet?" And they say, "No, no, 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 no." And you get in the car, you know, you, a couple hundred yards down the road. Dad, can I go to the toilet? I'm sure that's exactly it. 
because when you can't go, you need to go. You know, so I really feel for these people. But I'm sure I was going to say they're getting paid enough. They can sort. They can sort this out. They can sort this this uh, this toilet problem out for for future generations. If they want to, if they want to have a successful uh, tourist industry in space, they've got to get the um, got to get that sorted. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Phil and I are jumping back into the escape capsule and heading back down to Earth. We've both been to the toilet, so it's all okay. We hope you'll join us again next time when we'll be welcoming a very special guest. Do check out our Facebook page during the week and take a look at some of the stories we're considering for the show. For now, this is Phil Woodford saying goodbye and wishing you well. And this is me, Mike Lohujuru, saying I've been, and if you have been, thanks for listening. Make sure you give the episode at least 30 listens and catch up. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?